Hello and welcome to the IDK My BFF Jill podcast. I'm your host Jill and I don't know Jack, but not for real. I'm here to learn more about life by being curious about others and being vulnerable about myself. I'm talking to people from all walks of my life because despite the world being big, we all know it's also very small and you never know when that gem will be dropped that will allow you to grow. So let's go. Hello, welcome. Hi, to, welcome to the IDK My BFF Jill podcast. I'm your host. <laughs> I love that. Um, everyone I've interviewed before, my friend here today. I didn't have a name for the podcast. I just said welcome to the Untitled TBD podcast. But I have decided to name it IDK My BFF Jill because I don't know a lot, and I'm here trying to learn. And my name is Jill. So here we are. Welcome or welcome back to people who are uh, new or joining us for the first time. I am joined today by one of my best friends, Lydia. Hi, Lyd. Hey, what's up? We have known each other since 2008, uh, which is a very long time now that we think about it. Uh, We lived, uh, we went to school together in Switzerland and then we both lived in the, she's from the Bay Area. And then that's where I just lived for like a decade of my life. And um, she's someone that I basically talk to every day. (laughs) But just because we talk every day doesn't mean we know everything. So welcome to the IDK My BFF Jill podcast, Lydia. Please introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. And it's so funny. The second you hit the record button, it's like pressure. Now we have the audience. (laughs) (laughs) But I love it. This is cool. Uh, So I'm Lydia. I was born and raised in the Bay Area. My birthday is March 9th. So I'm a Pisces. And uh, my parents are not, I don't want to say immigrants, but they're originally from Iowa. So (laughs) they came here in the late 70s. Um, My dad was a hippie at heart. So he was big into like Grateful Dead and he had his hair down to his waist. And my mom was like free spirit, kind of the black sheep of her family. So she and my dad, right after they got married in Iowa, decided to move out to California because my dad had a job offer. So funny enough, they moved to the Bay Area. They picked Marin County, which is just north of the San Francisco uh, city proper on the other side of Golden Gate Bridge. And they landed at the family home that I grew up and lived in for many, many years. And I went to school here. I'm still here now, though Jill said we met at Franklin in Switzerland. So I had a brief uh, rendezvous to Europe for a couple of years. But, you know things are full circle and you come back to your roots more often than not. And funny enough, growing up here in the Bay area and going to a public high school, you know, people think, Oh, I can't wait to get out of here. I can't wait to, you know, go to college, get my freedom. I have a car now. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to get out of here. It's so boring. And just in a number of a few short years that all uh, changed because I realized how good we really have it here in the Bay area. So uh, I've been here (laughs) for many, many years. And yeah, that's my, I guess, high end story. I'm 30. I just turned 36. So I feel old now. Like I'm really starting to feel the age hit me. <laughs> like in your body, so, right? Like, yes, it, yes. It in your body mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Like things are starting to hurt. You get up out of bed in the morning and you're like, Ooh, my ankle joints. I really feel them more. <laughs> so yeah, but you know, I'm loving it. Uh, as much as I wish I had my 25 year old body, I'm yeah. so pleased with my 36 year old brain like Amen. there's nothing I would do to take that back Amen. so yeah feeling just 
much more self-empowered, mm. confident now that I'm well into, I can say well into my thirties now. So, <laughs> but you're still a baby. You're only, thir- I won't say your age, but no, I'm, I'm 34 next week and no, everything hurts for sure. Um, I do, I do miss the days of us, you know, not leaving to the club until 1am or midnight, not yeah. even leaving to go to the club. Free gaming at 11, mm-hmm. leaving at one, coming mm-hmm. back at five. Yeah. 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 Um, well, speaking of that, let's, let's take it back to when we were young and vibrant and yes, and no in our early twenties, in our early twenties. Um, you know, I realize even though um, I've known you for so long, I don't know the story of how you ended up at Franklin and I'll share mine really quick. And it's yeah. that I, and I don't know if you know either, but um, I originally planned on majoring in international um, relations and poli-sci. And when you take like the PSAT and the SAT and all that stuff, you know, you have to like check off like what major you're interested in. Yeah. Well, so everything I checked off was international relations and poli sci. And then you start getting that flood of marketing mail, which you know all about. Um, you start getting that flood of marketing mail. And I got a postcard or a brochure from Franklin. And I was like, this one. Um, and it was the only school I applied to. And I, that was it because I wanted to go abroad because I knew, I, again, the thought was international relations. So I applied to one school from that one postcard. And that's my story. Wow. You really you? put your eggs in one basket. There. All of them, baby. All of them. I love it. You are, a, are you like a slow key gambler or something? Like, it's like, I'm all in just all my chips. <laughs> uh, we can, we can, you can ask me a, a detailed question okay. about, but like what I've come to realize is yes, even though I would not describe myself as I'm like a risk averse person. Um, mm. I'm not when you think about my life and no, yeah. all the things that I've done. So yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I put all my eggs in one basket and um, that basket took me to Switzerland. Wow. That's pretty awesome. So marketing had to do with it. They do have a kick-ass marketing team. I know they spend a lot of money. I'm in marketing, so I know. Mm -hmm. So I do direct marketing as well. Also, same thing, you know, I know how much it costs to put a postcard or catalog in the mail. It's expensive, but it works. So Mm -hmm. yeah. So my whole thing was Originally, when I went to college, and I ended up going to three colleges, and I graduated in five years. That was my trajectory. We're the same. So, okay, cool, cool. We were on the five-year plan. Yeah. I feel like a lot of millennials are like that anyway, but so I originally went to Long Beach State right after graduating high school. I thought I wanted to be a Spanish interpreter, like a courtroom translator, because I love Spanish. I do ballroom dancing. That's like a little footnote that I didn't mention yet. So ballroom and Latin dancing, I started when I was 10. So I was really into Latin music. I loved learning Spanish in high school. So I thought, okay, I want to travel. I went to Argentina briefly, and then I went to Spain one summer. So I thought, you know, I really want to travel. So let me be a Spanish interpreter because this feels like it comes naturally to me. So I went to Long Beach State, didn't really like it so much, although I still have some friends from college there, came back home was home for two more years at community college, getting more credits that I could transfer. So when it came time to start my junior year, I was looking at where could I be abroad? Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be abroad extensively more than one year. Cause most colleges you do the study abroad program and it's like one semester, one year. And I was like, screw that. I want to do two full years. So I started looking, there was some college in London and I was like, that's not a foreign language. I'm going to be speaking English the whole time. So then I was like, there's Switzerland or Italy. So 
Franklin, I started inquiring about them. It looked, it looked incredible. And then I ended up getting just some scholarships there as well. So I was like, that's my, that's my jam. Although it's such a small liberal arts school that they didn't have a Spanish major. So at that point I had to pivot and I kind of went in just not knowing what I wanted to study. So literally I went in as a junior abroad to Switzerland, knowing that this was my school, but I don't know what I want to study. So I, during the orientation process, I was talking with some people where they had just started developing the environmental science program. And it was only two years old at that point. So after talking with a few people, I thought this is a really cool program. You know, I come from Bay Area, super progressive, you know, very environmentally aware. So that kind of piqued my interest. And then after I joined the program, it just, it went from there. I'm so happy with ended up, having ended up getting my degree in environmental science from Franklin. It was just a wonderful experience. The professors in that program were awesome. So yeah, and that's just, you, that's you my might- academic side. But you took, you took, you took German. No. What'd you take? <laughs> I took German for you one semester. Oh, I studied for... Italian, but all, I studied Italian four semesters there. So okay. all two years yeah, yeah. there, I studied uh, Italian and there was one Spanish class I ended up taking. It was like a Spanish literature class. It was an advanced class, but they still didn't have like a minor in Spanish there. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had, again, this is why I love setting the time aside to talk to friends, even though we talk regularly, when you're intentional about what you're talking about, you learn so much. Um, yeah. I didn't realize that you went into Franklin with no declared major and kind of just picked up environmental science on a whim. I want to, first of all, applaud you because that's also risky, you know, you're, yeah. <laughs> you're like I'm going to this school in this other country. I'll figure it out when I get there. Did you feel if you remember, I mean, it's a while ago now, but do you remember feeling scared or nervous? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, my, for multiple reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I was excited, but also I think back to my younger self, I had really bad anxiety, like mm-hmm. crippling anxiety. Um, I, and this is total side note, but yes, for many reasons, like the anxiety level was high dealing with anxiety, trying to figure out what's going on. Um, but yeah, so there was anxiety in, you know, living abroad, but also just this great sense of excitement. But I guess because I'm pretty much a free spirit, I was able to cope with it and just kind of roll with the punches. So something we'll talk about and touch on later is our personality styles, because (laughs) Me bring being the kind of like free spirit, go with the flow, like I'm an intuitive feeler person. Uh, I think that plays into a lot about, oh, it's fine. I'll, I'll figure it out sort of mentality. (laughs) What were some of them? So this is also, I didn't realize this again. I freaking lived across the hall from you. Uh, I know uh, we both lived on the basement floor freshman year in a floor called negative two, because you enter on the zero, what? floor zero but then to get to our level you had to go down two floors so it was always cold and drafty but we loved it we made the the best of it we had the best time um what was I gonna say I didn't realize that you struggled with anxiety I you know I think we all do to a certain extent but it's really something that we're just now talking about um I remember when I started talking about it to I mentioned something to my mom or my aunt or someone and they're like yeah your grandma was on meds for her anxiety I was like what like nobody told me that it would it would have made me feel so much less crazy or so much less alone or whatever. 
um, I remember in college because I'm an overachieving type A, you know, person, I, my anxiety, which I didn't realize was at the time manifested in like, before I had a big like exam for econometrics or something like that, uh-huh. I would have, I'd have like a gag reflex. Like I would be like wanting to throw up, but nothing was coming up. Yeah. And that's how my anxiety manifested itself. I honestly think one of the ways that I dealt with it when we were in school was doing, I was going to say doing LSD, but not the drug people. We've got a street dance. On a street dance. Lydia and I danced together in that. Um, so if you're willing to share back then, you know, because there might be young people in college right now listening. And there's, I feel like there's so much more anxiety now with social media. We oh, have- my God. God, it's we, we were on the front end of Facebook where oh you take God. pictures on an actual camera, take out the SD card, upload it to your computer. Like it was way different back then. Yeah. So it was way how different. did you deal with your anxiety back then? Um, oh, because I didn't even realize and I'm sleeping. I know I hit it pretty well. So how it manifested for me was that I experienced my first like panic attack where I physically had to go to the hospital my freshman year of college. No, Mm -hmm. it was at my sophomore year when I was still at Long Beach. Mm -hmm. And one night I wake up and my heart is pounding. I can't breathe. Everything is like, and I think I'm having a heart attack. Of course, I'm a healthy 19 year old, Mm -hmm. but my roommates were like, oh, let's take you to the hospital. They're like, you're fine. They hooked me up to the EKG machine. They're like, have you ever thought this might be anxiety or a panic attack? And I was like, what is that? I don't even know what this is. Mm -hmm. So then that happened once. And then I had like a break and then it started coming back and just not anything would trigger it. I would be in class in a big lecture hall taking notes when all of a sudden I just start to feel this, the heart rate increase and the breathing and like, I feel like I can't breathe or I can't get a good breath. And so this started progressing over time, like starting in 2007 Mm -hmm. and it kept happening in 2008, 2009 while I was at Franklin. And, uh, it would basically make me, I I think I would have like mini panic attacks all the time. And it was really irrational. Like I would start to position myself in classrooms near the door because I felt like I needed to have an exit somewhere Mm -hmm. in case in case I started like, I don't know. And it would manifest too, in a way that like my stomach would cramp. And I thought I would have to throw up mm-hmm. like, but I never threw up. Cause again, I also had a fear of throwing up, which was weird. So I never drank enough booze to like get sick. Cause that was another thing that I was like, weird. You never threw up in college. I never did. Oh my God. It First was time I threw up from it. drinking was <laughs> like a, my friend's bachelor party in Vegas, like years later, yeah. I never drank in excess to get sick. Because again, that was like a thing that I was afraid of. But yeah, so I would just feel like little panic attacks all the time. And because I felt like sick to my stomach all the time, it would affect my eating. So like I would eat like a bird. Like that's why I look back at pictures and I was like skinny, but it wasn't like an eating disorder. It wasn't the food. It was just the fact that I felt sick. So I had no appetite Mm -hmm. because I felt, and, and it was weird. Like I can't explain it. I don't know what triggered it. Yeah. So there were years where I didn't understand what was going on. I saw a psychiatrist, they recommended an SSRI. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't want to do the meds. I want to figure out a way to like, get rid of this. Mm -hmm. So basically the way that I got over panic attacks was educating myself. And Mm -hmm. I started watching a shit ton of YouTube videos Mm -hmm. and hearing other people talk about panic attacks and anxiety 
and I hadn't vocal because obviously you're learning about it now because yeah. I didn't say anything because I was so ashamed and like I didn't I the only person I talked to about it, I think was my mom but I didn't tell anyone else yeah. and like going out to meals was always weird like going out to dinner like I would order a little thing and like I, I just felt sick and I, I felt like scared like it was that fear fight or flight response yeah yeah so I was always yawning in class to try to get that extra oxygen interesting because when you're having like anxiety or panic attacks you feel like you can't get a full breath in so like I would force myself to yawn all the time and people were like why are you so tired I'm like (laughs) so um yeah just educating the hell out of myself was the only way I kind of learned my way out of it so then I guess also learning that other people deal with this and that's such a common issue helped me for some reason because yeah, events like going to the grocery store and having to wait in a line would like trigger a panic attack. It was oh weird. Wow. And I'm hearing about more and more people that are triggered by random things. Yeah. Random things can trigger them sitting in traffic and you're like, oh shit, like it's the way out thing. I don't know what it is. Well, but Yeah. First of all, I'm thank fine you. now. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Uh, I know that was not on yeah. our agenda to talk about, but talking no. about which led to that. Um, and again, you know, someone listening might be like, oh my God, I experienced that too, whether it's in the grocery store line or whatever. So you said um, educating yourself was the way that you got out of it. For sure. Is it because the 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 research led to knowledge that led to kind of like proactive thinking or mindfulness? like understanding your physiological responses. Mm -hmm. So the second I started to feel my heart beat fast, I'm like, Oh, and like the shortness of breath, I'm like, Oh, okay. So this is a panic attack coming on. And so instead of succumbing to it, like learning what the symptoms are, what's happening in your brain and kind of talking yourself out of it or taking deep breaths or trying to like, just go on a walk. If I had that ability to do that at the time, just like get up and change your scenery, yeah. change your mindset. And then you can come back to what you were doing. Wow. Love so, it. yeah. Yeah. Wow. So just educating myself and learning about the physiological symptoms, hearing doctors talk about what yeah. trigger or, you know, what are the symptoms so you can figure out what's happening. So. Okay. Look, see, yeah. look how much I learned about you in 10 minutes. <laughs> I didn't know after knowing each other for like 15 years. At this I know. Point. I was ashamed to talk about it. I talk openly about it now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was just a weird thing. I don't know. I, I felt like I couldn't relate. Yeah. And it was weird because most doctors say like anxiety and depression are hand in hand. I didn't feel depressed at all. Mm-hmm. I had nothing in my life to be depressed about. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I have this extreme anxiety, but no depression. And most of my friends at the time that were either medicated for anxiety were kind of, it was like the anxiety depression coupled. Yeah. But for me, it was just the one. Interesting. Oh. Well, I'm glad. Weird, huh? You, yes, weird, um, insightful. I'm proud of you for taking taking action or taking ownership of your own health and like and you educating yourself and finding options that work for you. I think that's really important for everyone who's experiencing any kind yeah. of anxiety to, to do. Um, I need to figure out mine better, <laughs> but, um, anyway, speaking of body, uh, you mentioned very briefly that you were a Latin ballroom dancer, which is one yeah. of the things that we, uh, found common ground in when we were at Franklin. For so sure. there was a dance club, um, that I was the leader of for a little time. And we taught, we had classes once a week. We had performances at the end of the year. Tell me about your dance journey first before we, I, I have more specific questions, but just how did you get into dance and where are you in your dance career now? 
Yeah. So I was inspired by a movie that I saw when I was like eight years old, Strictly Ballroom. Mm. So it's a Baz Luhrmann movie. So he did like Romeo and Juliet, Moulin Rouge. His first movie was Strictly Ballroom, like in the early 90s. And my dad and I snuck into the movie theater because we had just seen some other movie. (laughs) And back in the days where you could sneak in like the long hallway from one movie theater into another, we snuck into the movie and it it just took off from there. I was floored by the glamour of the ball gowns, the hair, the makeup. And granted, back in the 90s, it was really different. It was like super poofy skirt. Uh, but still, like, I was just, oh, my God, these women look like princesses. So, of course, we buy the movie on DVD or not DVD, VHS at the time. <laughs> and I would watch it every day after school until one day I said, Mom, can I start ballroom dancing? And I was like 10 at the time. And she said, OK, sure. Yeah. If you want to if you want to wear a dress like that, you have to learn to ballroom dance. And then maybe one day you can wear that dress. Mm-hmm. So I took her up on that challenge. And there's a school close by to where we live. So mm-hmm. uh, I just started there when I was 10. And the rest is history. I had some good coaches. I had a couple dance partners. Fast forward a few years. I'm now married to my dance partner, my husband, Robert, (laughs) who's from Latvia. He's from Eastern Europe and he's wonderful. Now we dance professionally. So I started, you know, as a kid when I was 10 and I grew through my journey, learning the whole syllabus body man and I still feel like I'm learning now there's still so much to learn and in, in mastery of I, I don't know if I've done my 10,000 hours <laughs> or not but uh yeah so we dance at a professional level we were competing mostly in 2017 2018 and 2019 right before COVID and we haven't competed since COVID but we've done a few shows here and there but yeah still at it still practice multiple days a week it's it's a labor of love like you have to be thinking about it all the time, engaging, getting coaching lessons, if you still want to perform at a high level before you retire. (laughs) Retire. At what age do most people retire? Between like 35 and 40. And I'm 36. There are some dancers though, that definitely competed. Like our coach competed until he was 45 and then he retired, but it's like ballet, you know, they're retiring in their mid thirties, early forties. And it doesn't mean you're done, but it just means retiring from competing with your professional partner. And there are many instances where people like Robert will can like a a professional teacher will dance with their students well up into their sixties or seventies. And so they coach these dancers and that's what he does full-time as well. So he's a professional dance coach. Um, One of the, it is a labor of love. One of the things I admire the most about you is your dedication to it. You guys practice late at night because you both, you know, you're working a nine to five job on top of uh, we all know I love organization and planning or, you know, if you don't know that now you do. Um, but <laughs> what um, what helps you stay disciplined and what are like the habits that you have that help you to continue to stay motivated in well, sticking to this? Yeah, I wish I wish I was more disciplined because. Unfortunately, as much as this is a labor of love. Sometimes it can go by the wayside because for me, it's like work comes first. And some days, because I work from home, depending on my schedule and early morning calls or super long days with high intensity, uh, you know, very labor intensive clients, like the schedule ebb and flow. So yes, typically our practices will be at night, usually between like 930 and 11 o'clock at night, uh, multiple days a week. Uh, some days, some weeks we get in 
five to six practices. Other weeks, it's three to four. So, uh, you know, as much as I'd like to say, I'll schedule these and we'll stick to the plan. It doesn't always work that way just because, you know, life, life gets in the way. Yeah. yeah. Well, I appreciate your honesty and all, even, you know, four practices from nine o'clock to 11 o'clock or nine 30 to 11 o'clock at night is still crazy. Amazing. Um, that is something that, I mean, I, the sun goes down and I'm done. I'm like, where's the apple? <laughs> where's the red day? Like, I'm not trying to well, do that's anything. when I have my Red Bull at like 5 PM. So oh my God, yeah. you have a Red Bull at five. Holy shit. No, I'll be, I'll be drinking Red Bulls like 8 PM before the practice. I'm like, okay, I gotta, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta motivate myself. I need that. I need that energy. Yeah. So, um, you mentioned that your dance partner is also your life partner. We love Robert. Yes. Um, talk to me a little bit, like, I guess, like, what are the top three things from dance that, um, you take away, uh, into your like personal life, your personal relationship, how can dance and relationships, what can we learn from the two? What can we learn from the two? Uh, Ooh, okay. This is one I've only learned recently because I didn't realize how much it got in the way, but my own ego. Mm, mm. and being a little bit more humble and being open to criticism so it's easier and also it's easier from a coach a third party to take criticism not your own partner so when your own partner starts to criticize you and it goes both ways so like I'll offer criticism to him and he'll offer criticism to me it's so much easier from a third person to take criticism that's why I understand like couples therapy and having the third person but when we're practicing it's just the two of us so we have to kind of work through that and even more so I have to let the ego go down. And even though I think I may be doing something right, maybe it doesn't manifest in the feeling. Cause again, when you're ballroom dancing, you have a connection through the body. You're actually touching. So Mm -hmm. it's not totally I'm dancing on my own. It's like the two of you are dancing. So it's almost like, well, they say it's three people. It's, it's the man, the woman, and the music. Mm -hmm. So you have to coordinate your own body you have to coordinate dancing, touching another person, and you have to be on time with the music. Mm-hmm. So letting your guard down, being open to criticism is probably one thing that's translated. And I've realized, cause I get defensive easily, or I find that I get triggered and I, I get really defensive and then it just snowballs and it gets worse. So I have to learn to let down the defenses, listen, take the criticism, try to understand what he's saying. Cause mm-hmm. maybe it's not the words. Cause also maybe he says it in a way, cause he learned from Russian teachers and right. I learned from American teachers. So you may, you know, <laughs> assume that there is a difference and there is. So I'm like, I learned from warm, fuzzy, you know, and they're just like, yes, no, that can was right. Give, or it was wrong. Give me, yeah. Very direct. Yeah. Give me an example of like your teacher telling you that you did that move wrong versus Robert telling you that you did that move wrong. Okay. Well, as you may imagine, you know, the coach might say, yeah, that was pretty good. And Robert be like, nope, like, no, try it again. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But sometimes I'll do it on myself. So I know I can already see, like, I look at the coach and I'm like, okay, no, I know that wasn't right. right. So, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it happens all the time and you just have to let your ego down when you're practicing and you're working with somebody else. Cause yeah, if you're playing piano, you know, when something's wrong, you can hear it. You have another person, but imagine trying to play piano or sharing the piano with somebody else. So right. it's, or any sort of instrument. It, it's, it's, uh, 
it's a lot of work just mm -hmm. to manage yourself and then manage the partnership as well. I, it takes a lot of patience. Oof. Let your ego down, take the criticism, listen to what they're saying, not how they're saying it. And what was, what's the last thing you just said? Right yeah, now? exactly. Not how they're saying. So like looking through that too, because it may come across as stern or not mean, but very direct. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm this soft, fuzzy, warm person. So yeah. I have to understand what are they saying, not how they're saying it. Right. And then just communicating, just being open in the communication, not, you know, playing the, what is the game? Like the devil's advocate. not ignoring, not ignoring, but like the silent treatment. Oh, like silent. if something isn't going right, don't be immature and give the silent treatment or just speak how you feel or if something feels wrong, just speak up and communicate about it. Do you think that being able to having these conversations regularly in the context of dance makes it easier to have these kinds of hard conversations in your relationship? We fight more on the dance floor than in real life. <laughs> If like, and actually I'd say like 95% of any argument is on the dance floor. Mm -hmm. Are you able sometimes to that'll, sometimes it'll carry through, uh -huh. um, like back in the old days, again, like before I let my ego down and mm -hmm. I would, I would just be really defensive. I was like, I was right. You know, he was wrong. And we'd, we'd fight about it in the practice and I'd still be bitter about it. And I'd come home and I'd be like, like still yeah. angry about it. Like that serves nobody. Mm -hmm. because then you end the practice on a bad note then you create this sense going into the next practice that it's not going to be good so one way or another I've learned and again toward the end of my career unfortunately I'm learning this now but you always have to find a way to end the practice on a good note because it's it sets your brain up in a better light for the next practice or it keeps you motivated and excited even if it didn't go well you at least have something that you learned and you left it in a positive energy. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, it makes 100% sense. I think that's like a ritual that leads to like, that's like a spiritual kind of ritual that probably leads yeah. to an actual physical response in your brain. Right. And when you, when you said that just now, I, I envisioned like, you know, it's the same thing as like going to bed angry with your partner. Yes, exactly. You you try. I don't know if, I mean, I, I, I think I'm okay with going to bed angry. I don't know. I'm like, whatever, dude, tomorrow. Um, <laughs> but I, I definitely understand the saying that you shouldn't go to bed angry because like you said, you're setting yourself up for success the next time uh, by ending it on a positive note, or at least getting to a place of like, I don't know, uh, maybe it's not, the problem isn't solved, but at least hopefully your emotions and your blood pressure is not high <laughs> after the practice or after the argument. Um, that way you can take it home um, in a more calm way. Do you find that it's difficult to separate like the professional dance part and then like the personal part? They are they are they? They kind of are intertwined because we met as dancers. Mm -hmm. So that's been that's how our relationship started. Granted, it was platonic when we first met because I was yeah. with my ex at the time. Uh, but that was how we met and. Yeah, it was always around the context of dance. And because we both dance at the professional level, it's so interwoven into our lives. And when I'm not working, I'm either watching YouTube videos, I'm looking at what's happening in the dance competition world now, or I'm looking at the great world champions from 20 years ago. And I watch their choreography, their technique. 
how they express themselves, the dress style, like fashion changes. And so I'm always kind of thinking about that. And a lot of the things that I do, granted, again, this factors into my discipline or lack thereof, but, um, you know, other things outside of that to help. So like Pilates, Hmm. yoga, I need to do a little bit more cardio. I, I know that before our next competition, I need to get my cardio up. So what are the things that are going to make me a better dancer, not just look better, but you know, most people are like, I want to look good. But for me, it's always, what are the extra activities that I could do to make myself a better dancer? It's kind of a, it's a slightly different mentality where it's like, everything is around that. I admire you and Robert and, and, and it's so much ballroom, you know, I, you know, I'm coming from like the hip hop side of things, right. Where it's Uh a team effort, but the communication that is not, is not as intense. Right. Uh. Uh, The thought I've only had to like kind of ballroom dance with someone twice uh, in my life. Um, The first one was when I was part of my friend's debut. A debut is like a quinceanera, but for Filipinos. Oh, I was going to say a cotillion. Yeah. Maybe kind of like that. Yeah. No, yeah. It's her cotillion, not mine. So I was in the court. I was in the court and part of that was a, a dance and my boyfriend at the time, it was so difficult. Like I'm, I'm, I'm holding, like, for those of you who are watching or listening, like I'm literally holding myself up in the box right now. And like, I'm just, I'm so tense all the time you know, and it's so hard for me to let go, let alone let someone lead me physically. I have always been someone who's led with my body. So to let, to let that ego and that guard down, to let someone else lead with their body. Oh, hell no. Right. Like That amount of mental and emotional discipline is something I really admire about you and about dancers because, oh, it's just, it's so, it's so difficult. Not saying that I couldn't do it, but um, you've obviously been dancing since you were 10 and you're still learning and still, yeah, you were like, I just figured out the ego thing recently. <laughs> like, it's, and it's, it's so weird because, and maybe you feel the same way, but I mentally, you know, yeah, I'm 36, but I still put myself in the mental, like, I'm not, I feel like a kid. Yeah. I, I still feel like a kid. So I still, when I say, I feel like I don't know everything, I still feel like a student of dance all the time. So there are other people that I, I learned from that. I admire the greats, the world champions. Yeah. I'm still learning from them all the time. And fortunately there's, you know, videos on YouTube, they have lectures and they'll come to the Bay area every once in a while. So we'll definitely take coaching with them. But yeah, I always, I still feel like I'm always learning no matter what. And I don't think I'll ever feel like I've mastered it completely. Yeah. Do and you Robert too? And Robert's been dancing longer than me. And he right. still is like, I'm still figuring things out, which, yeah. I just, the thought, like, I think a lot of us maybe want to be the master at something, but like the fact that you're not is what keeps us going. Right. Like, yeah. That what's, that's what motivates you. It's like, there, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. And we'll probably never get there, but it keeps us going. Um, and I think I'm, I think I'm, that's how I feel about painting. You know, like there's yeah. always, you know, what's coming out? What am I learning about? For me, it's about what am I learning about myself, which is part of the reason sure. why I started this podcast because I wanted to learn more about other people because I'll know things. Jillian doesn't do the things. Um, and uh, I want to learn more about other people and I want to learn more about myself through questions that other people ask. Um, I know we had one more topic, but I think we need to skip it for the sake of time. Yeah, and yeah. We can have another. I mean, that I, you know, I love to talk about that other stuff too. So we can have another podcast episode about the other stuff, uh, which was, by the way, death and grieving. For those who are enjoying this, mm. we'll come back and we'll have another conversation about that. 
Yeah, that, I'm happy to talk through that as yeah. well. Like that's been a that's been a journey as well. The short of it is that my mom passed away seven years ago. And I'm totally happy to share that story in a subsequent podcast. Yes, please. Because, and that, that is a whole episode in in and of itself. Um, I think that there are, we don't, that's another topic we don't talk about enough. Right. So yeah, next time, and we will have a whole episode dedicated to that. But like I said, the point of this was learning and I learned so much about you in the last like 20 minutes or or so that we've talked to each other with you as the focus. I am trying to build a habit of curiosity and vulnerability, not just on the canvas, but out loud. So we get to flip the script at the end of the episode and you get to ask me questions, which I usually did not, you know, I didn't allow people to ask me questions before, but I will allow. Maybe that's, it's part of your personality type, Jill. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about it. Which questions for me? Uh, Well, I was, I was thinking, I was like, you know, you are such, and what I admire about you is that you are like such a jack of all trades. Like when I think about what you do, like you wear so many hats Mm. and you're so good at it because you're such a fast learner. You're so intelligent. You have this confidence and you also have, I think at least outwardly facing to, Mm -hmm. to the world you have your shit together. Like you are organized. Well, obviously you're a professional organizer, but, um, the thing that I love about you is that you love to speak your mind and Mm -hmm. be direct with people, which Mm -hmm. I'm a Pisces. I'm a little bit more just like, I'm not that way. Yeah. And I know you as an Aries are absolutely like that. Mm -hmm. And you speak your mind and you speak your truth directly. And so that's something I need to definitely learn from you. My boss is kind of the same way at work too, but, um, well, thank you I, for that first. That is very kind. Yeah. I was, I, I guess my question, if we, if we talk about flipping the script is like, what's next for you? Because when I was thinking about like all the things that you do and all the ideas you have, I was like, Jill could easily combine like all of her skill sets. Like you could write a book. Yeah. I know you've talked about like maybe going back to school or yeah. like learning law. Yeah. I think you could be a person, like a really good either life coach or like teaching people like family management because you have that e-com finance organization yeah. and just planning as a strength. So yeah. like, I, I just want to know what's next for you and like, Yeah. What's, what's on the docket? Um, I like back up Jack of all trades. Totally. Mm-hmm. I like Jill of all trades instead. Um, that, is, that is a strength and also a weakness. Um, it's something that I take pride in having, knowing a lot about a lot of things. Um, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I can, I can sometimes feel like, God, I just need to focus on one thing, you know, yeah. and become the master at that one thing but I can't, that's just who I am. I've come to accept it. Like I'm always going to have my foot in many doors, even though I only have two feet, but, um, you know what I mean? You know, um, all of I love your question because your intuition is your Pisces intuition is leading you to the connection with me. I'm definitely what's next for me is bringing all of those things together. Uh, I recently decided that I think I'm going to, I think I recently decided that I think I'm pretty sure I am going to pursue um, the CFP certification, which is the certified financial planner. Yeah. To exactly your point, what you said, it brings all of those planning things together for a family, like your estate, your life, your finances, your, I don't know, all of those things. There's a certain level of coaching in there as well. 
Um, but that is, I think that is what's next for me. That's a value add. That's a value add for you. So outside of just the finance, like you can offer this perspective and advice on things just outside of the finance. I think you're very holistic in that sense. And that's a huge value add for you. Yeah. So I'm, I'm planning on doing that. Um, normalcy and normally this is me being vulnerable. Normally I wouldn't even share that until I've actually finished the course. I would not have told anybody. And this is something I'm trying to get out of my own shell, which I'm I'm working through, is that I need to reward myself through the process. Um, something that one of my very first life coaches taught me told taught me about me was, you know, I don't have you been to a wedding that I've done? Have you seen me in that aside zone? from your aside from your own? <laughs> aside from my own wedding, no. I was yeah. well uh, maybe not. No, you, I don't think so. you can imagine what I'm like. I can imagine. I, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So what my life coach told me uh, was like, you know, someone would compliment me in the middle of the event or the wedding and be like, you're doing a great job. And I would always say, oh, I'm not done yet. Call at me later. And that is something that I'm trying to be better at, which is saying things out loud. Even thank though I- you. Yeah. <laughs> saying thank you. Oh, right. That part. Oh, I should. that's what I should have said. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> it's a compliment, Jill. Right. Um. So yeah, that is what's my plan for what's yeah. next for me. Um, that's going to be about a year or so of, of schooling and studying. And then it, the exam only has a 50% pass rate. It's that hard. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. But I think that all of my life experiences, the professional organizing, the event planning, the work and wealth management have all led to like this, which I thought was what I wanted 10 years ago, but I wasn't ready for it. I'm ready now. That leads me exactly into something I was looking at earlier. Can I read it? Can I read something? Okay. So I'm all about, you know, I'm talking about Pisces, Aries. I'm into the Myers-Briggs personality types too. So you told me yours earlier and let me read for the audience. So based on what Jill has said, if you go onto 16personalities.com, you can take the test and it takes like 10 minutes and you can find out your acronym. So there are 16 basic personality types. So Jill falls under the analyst family of personality types and her title is called the commander. (laughs) So it's ENTJ, ENTJ. So you're extroverted, intuitive, you have thinking and judging personality traits. They are decisive people who love momentum and accomplishment. They gather information to construct their creative visions, but rarely hesitate for long before acting on them. Commanders are natural born leaders. People with this personality type embody the gifts of charisma and confidence and project authority in a way that draws crowds together behind a common goal. Absolutely. Commanders are also characterized by an often ruthless level of rationality, (laughs) which I admire you for, using their drive, determination, and sharp minds to achieve whatever end they've set for themselves. Mm. Perhaps it is best that they make up only 3% of the population didn't know that lest they overwhelm the more timid and sensitive personality types like myself that make (laughs) up much more of the rest of the world but we have commanders to thank for many of the businesses and institutions we take for granted every day Mm. yes I think that sums you up in a nutshell I would agree with you um (laughs) it's kind of crazy how all of those tests and things uh, I recently was looking into human design. Have you heard of that through another one of my friends? It's like next level. No. Yeah, it's like next level Myers-Briggs. You got to look nice, that up. Nice, nice. Yes. 
Okay. But um, yeah, no, that's definitely me. And I have actually worked really hard to tone it all down. The Jillian that's inside is so much more intense. And I know people already think I'm intense. And this is kind of scary at the thought that I've worked really hard to tone it down because I have. Um, you, you, you said earlier, you know, I always speak my mind. Yes and no. Um, I think that that I project that way because I'm so confident in what I'm saying and I have lots to say and I talk fast and all those kinds of things. But for every one thing I'm sharing, there's two things that I'm not. <laughs> there's so much more in there that I am just now learning, right? Because of all the things that I've gone through that I'm just now learning to be okay with. Um, but also- Where do you think that comes from? Is that like Filipino or is that Bronx? Like, where do you, where do you think that comes from? I, I have absolutely no, I, Jesus, all the Buddha. I don't know. <laughs> I, and I say that uh, it's not necessarily that I'm always holding back, but one of the things that I've learned because of all my travels and all the different things that I do is that I'm actually a really good read of, um, you know, did you, my friend, Michelle, um, interviewed me and she's like you're like an energy dj you know when to bring it up and when to bring it down and that kind of relates to this um what yes i am projecting something very strong and i'm saying this thought but i know that the three other thoughts in there are rude as hell rude as hell and um i taught myself to not let all of those out because it would scare a lot of people and people are already scared so that's not safe for anyone um but yeah so but that's also why we love you is because uh-huh. you're a straight shooter so thanks entj all the way you're at what what are you an infp i am an enfp E-N-F-P. so okay enfp so what that means is uh i come from the diplomat family so i'll quickly take two minutes yes. and read through mine so i'm called a campaigner okay so i uh, enfp is extroverted intuitive feeling and prospecting personality traits mm. These people tend to embrace big ideas and actions that reflect their sense of hope and goodwill towards others. Their vibrant energy can flow in many directions. Mm -hmm. Campaigners are true free spirits, outgoing, open-hearted, open-minded. With their lively, upbeat approach to life, they stand out in any crowd. But even though they can be the life of the party, campaigners don't just care about having a good time. These personality types run deep, Mm -hmm. as does their meaningful as does their longing for meaningful emotional connections with other people. Absolutely. I feel that. And I, I'm always feeling people's vibes and I feel, I sense that really quickly after meeting someone. And I know kind of right away, like, yeah, we'll get along or no, I want to avoid you because you seem slightly toxic sort of thing. So yeah. That is amazing to me. This is one of the ways that we differ greatly. I was just, I have a, my, 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 my friend here, Michelle, she's also a Pisces. And I told her when I first met her, you know, this is a brand new friend and luckily I'm self-aware now. And I was like, listen, you need to understand something about me. I, it's not, it, it all goes over my head, right? I'm fucked. I'm Amish. And I like, this is why it's called BK, my BFF Jill. Cause I don't know. Um, I don't have a natural radar for empathy or sensitivity. Like it's just, I just don't have it at all. Like I don't, it's not that I don't care about you. Obviously, you know, I care about you, but in order for me to switch from the commander, right. To the, the nice person and the caring person that is in there, I have to like literally flip a switch. And I told them, I was like, if you need me to be compassionate and loving and like, you want a hug or something, you have to tell me that. Tell you. It's not that I don't care about you, but I just don't have that f- connection with other people the way that you do. I don't feel it. And 
it comes off as rude or whatever, or that I don't care. But I, I wish I, I wish I could. I really like, I'm reaching my arm out for those of you who are listening. Like, I wish I could feel people in that way. At the same time, I'm glad I don't because hella feelings would be very exhausting. Um, but I, I just don't have that natural empathy, uh, compassion, sensitivity thing. I mean, I do. So like, let me give an example. And I'm only talking out loud because again, I don't talk to myself and maybe you can help me figure this out. Uh. I understand people like I know that this is the way that Lydia works and I don't take anything personally so if Lydia is we're working together on something you present information in a certain way that doesn't work for me that's fine I understand that this is the way that Lydia works this is the way she perceives this is the way that she projects it has nothing to do with me what can I take from Lydia what what can I take from whatever information Lydia just gave me to make it work for me so like I understand people and I and I I don't I feel that but I guess that's I'm I guess everything that I'm referring to right now has to do with like work and professional. Yeah, maybe. Um I feel okay, so you said something earlier you said take things personally and I feel that's I used to do that a lot and I used to internalize and take everything personally both in a personal and business mm-hmm. world. But becoming more self-aware that I was doing that, I have to literally like put up boundaries for myself to not take things personally and be aware like, oh, don't take this personally because again, it's the way somebody said something, not what they were saying. Mm -hmm. So kind of filtering through that content. And that's, I think that's a huge learning. So I think that could be learned, but initially, yeah, it's like, like I know me like being the, the empathetic free flowing person. I used to always do that. I would always take things and read into things way. And you were probably like, whatever, like I'm gone. I'm already gone. I would read. Yeah. I would reread texts from my ex-boyfriend. Like, Oh my God, what did he mean when he said that? And you're just like, whatever, like, I don't give a shit. He sucks. And I'd be like, how can I make up for what I said? And just bullshit like that. So like I it's like the, like that is so I admire it but I'm also like because like I wish I cared that much right but also, mm-hmm. and it's not that I don't care again I wish I cared that much so I admire the fact that you care so much but I don't want people to waste their time yeah and, and their emotional energy on looking back and be like what could I have I mean reflection is important in the sense of what can I learn well how did I handle that what can I learn from the way that I handle that that I can make myself better moving forward but to look over analyze and yo I'm I mean maybe you saw my Instagram story the other day I started painting something I thought too hard and then I just messed it all up right but I what did I learn from that I learned that I move fast period end of story so if Mm. I painting in three minutes then it's done why do I have to why do I have to feel like I spent 30 minutes on it if I did it in three but like okay keep moving but yeah Anyways, self-awareness and that um, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you you talked about you know your earlier you were talking about how like Robert might give you criticism and stuff. I Robert and I are similar in that way. Not that I grew up in an Eastern European household, but it's just me. Um, the example that I love to give that to really showcase who I am is uh, I was doing an event. Um, Mariah, who you know is my right hand first assistant, and then we were training yes. someone. There was an intern who was uh, my the second assistant for the day she uh the reception was about to start there's three minutes until when everybody comes into the reception hall and um she was readjusting all of the place cards like inch by inch by inch and I walked over 
And I said, can you not? And that's me in a nutshell, right? At what what was behind that was, so then Mariah, God bless her, came up after me. And she was like, what Jillian is trying to say is that we have other priorities now because we're on a time crunch. And if, yeah, you, could just redirect priority. What if you could just redirect what you're doing to something else that would be more fruitful, for blah, 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 blah. Like, and I'm like, that's what I said. <laughs> yeah, Obviously, pretty it's much. Not, it's not what I said, but that's what I said. It's really hard for me to, uh, I'm trying, I'm trying. But anyways, that's that. But you're learning. We're constantly learning. And you're becoming more self-aware of our, and learning from others at the same time. So observing how other people are and kind of then reflecting on ourselves. Oh, I like this about me. I don't like this about me. What can I learn from other people in my circle of friends that I see as good? And what can I learn from them? So like from you and my boss, I need to be more direct with people and straight, a straight shooter and remove emotion from things Mm -hmm. like put up my own healthy boundaries. Mm -hmm. I need to learn to say no more Mm -hmm. because I've always been a yes person and a people pleaser. And I think that also is, yeah, I don't know. I don't think you can relate to that. No, no. I, you know, (laughs) I think, I think on the surface, you would think that I'm not no is my favorite fucking word. Let's be real. No, I don't like that. No, I don't want to do that. No. Yesterday, the guy I asked was like, I'll take half a dozen oysters after, after work, I went out. I was like, I'll take half a dozen oysters. He's like, we only have five. Is that okay? And I was like, no, but I guess I'll take them. I know that's so bad. <laughs> that's not okay. <laughs> no, it's not okay. I wanted six. You're telling me you yeah, only have five. So no, it's not okay, but I will take the five. Thank you very much. Um, what I can learn from you is that free flowing, like uh, feelings, go with the flow, like spiritness. I think you live with such a lightness, right? When you have that oh. kind of uh aspect or attitude on life and i'm i'm like down here all the time um and i try to elevate myself but one of the ways is for me working out maybe for you you know is dancing up does dancing ground you or does it lift you it grounds well it does both it depends Mm -hmm. on my mood that day and that is such a pisces thing i was gonna say that's so pisces it depends on my mood. Yeah. Some days I come in and I'm just like, oh, I want to be, you know, feminine and expressive. And then other days I'm like technique, yeah. technique, technique, technique. Do you voice that? Yeah. You say today I feel like this. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Usually before the practice, we kind of talk about like, take 30 seconds. Like this is what we need to work on. I love that. And yeah. So we so kind of have to have some sort of agenda, whether it's like dance all five dances, like a competition, like replicate a competition. So you dance for a minute, 30 seconds, 20 second break, yeah. you know, either frame fully up or like you need to get the cardio in. So there is like technical training and then there's, you know, the cardio training and then there's the more um, artistic training. Like what can I do to have a bigger picture line or whatever it is. So oh my gosh. there's so many different things to train all the time. So beautiful. I, um, maybe I should pick up ballroom dancing so I can be better communicator. Um, anyways. Do you yeah. Have- <laughs> yeah. God, can you have the poor teacher who has to deal with me? I just don't want to teach you. I don't. Yeah. No, not me. <laughs> not you. <laughs> not you. Uh, I just like, stop it. Okay. I got it. Fine. All right. Let's go. Let's go. I don't know. Uh, it would take a lot for me to, to get into a calm enough zone 
Um, and the hard thing is I don't talk to, my, again, I don't talk to myself. I'm learning to do that now. Running has really helped me learn to talk to myself. I literally have to be like, okay, one more mile, you know, like even things like that. I didn't talk to myself like that before. Really? Yes. <laughs> That's wow. great. And you told me this a couple of years ago. You're like, I don't have thoughts in myself where I don't talk to myself. And I find myself talking to myself all the time and daydreaming that I feel like I have ADD because I'm constantly mm -hmm. thinking a new thought and losing my train of thought because mm -hmm. I am having conversations with myself. I have conversations in my head, but it's, I'm always talking to somebody else. Oh, so like I, uh, I, I, and I'm very visual. So like I'll envision, mm -hmm. I might see like in preparation for this today, it was not that I sat down with myself and said, what do I want to talk to Lydia about? It was, I saw us having the interview and I watched the, the image in my head and I saw what we were talking about. And then I, oh. and then I might've practiced I, it's all from a outer perspective, third, uh, not from a first person perspective, but third party perspective, watching myself. And then I watched you and I in my head having a conversation like now, and then being like, so Lydia, what do you want? Da, da, da. And then that's what I'm like, okay, so I, I'm going to talk to her about that because I saw myself talking to you about it. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. And that's usually what I don't do. I'm <laughs> always myself. Yeah. Looking out from my face, That's looking so out in the world from my own perspective and how I'm interacting with the world. Like oh my God. it's rarely ever a third party view. View. Oh my yeah. God. So I, wow. I, I wish I could like put myself where I saw it from myself. I can't, I can't do that. Anyways, interesting Crazy. stuff. See, we learn so much about each other. Even so much. We know each other already. <laughs> um do you have any final questions for me or is that it no nothing else okay. nothing else thank you we'll save the next next part for part two yeah we'll have part two uh, I think part two will be really cool and important to talk about and it's a whole nother vibe so I'm glad we didn't talk about it today uh, mm -hmm. but thank you for being vulnerable and open with me sharing your experiences about moving and anxiety and dancing I mean there are so sure. many I, I really take away like the the way that you used education and knowledge to help you deal with your anxiety, um, your fearlessness when it comes to when it came to like moving to Switzerland, which was a result of your free flowing spirit self, uh, which I would love to be to a certain extent, not like completely. That would be really. <laughs> um, and then, you know, the relationship between dance and 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 life, let the ego down, you know, communicate. I'm working on both of those things regularly. Uh, and we're always learning. So thank you for well, it's great to me. chat with you. I appreciate you and I love you. And come back for part two, people, where we're gonna talk more seriously, yeah. but also very educational, I would say. Um, very a uh, very topical for millennials right now. I mean, sure. as coming with our boomer parents. Most yeah. of the, most of our parents are boomers, yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Well, we're going to end up here. You're going to use next my calendar link and then you're going to book the next one so we can talk about that. I'm all for it. Thank you.